0: This is Hockey Central on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: Kirsch Logan Gordon back at our regular time. Baseball at 540 this afternoon as the Blue Jays will uh, play their game in hand and try and uh, get a win against the Minnesota Twins. We'll have it for you right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Busy show today. We'll hear from Kevin Woodley. Get some goaltender uh, guru stuff. But first, as we do every time. At this time, let's talk to Lou. Flames
2: Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit geminigroup.ca
1: Well, Lou, uh, looking at those um, groupings of, of players on the ice, uh, there's no ambiguity as as to who is where and what's going on. It's kind of it's kind of obvious, and maybe that's just sort of the, the meat and potatoes, straight ahead, forward kind of, kind of mentality that the coach has, and I, I think that looks pretty reasonable. Like this is, this is basically our group, and this is the Stockton Heat essentially, and these are the young guys. Yeah, and maybe that's, that's just the way it should be. So, how did you, how did it look with the guys firing pucks around and, and playing for? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, mean, me as...
2: you know I, I think everybody was more interested. I mean, I know I certainly was, and. Remember, it's day one. Um, you know, I think Logan asked me yesterday or the day before what I thought the groupings would be like. And I truly thought that Daryl would be in the neighborhood of trying to get his group together as soon as they possibly could. And as you just talked about, Kelly, that's exactly the case. Um, you know, first and foremost, probably the big story in terms of who played with who. And again, that's today. But Monaghan and Gaudreau back together. It's not a shocker to me. Um, with Andrew Monjapani, Lindholm, Kachuk, Coleman, Dubay, Backlund, and Pitlick, Lucic, Richardson, Lewis, and Brett Ritchie. Um, Johnny was asked about his contract situation. He said in the last few days that's between he, his agent, and Brad Treleving. And that was about all that he would deal with there. As for Sean, um, looked like he was moving around really well after you know a summer that included hip surgery that forced him to miss the end of the season. And um, not surprised when he let us in on this part of it, he was battling with that, Kelly, six games in. Six. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, the hard part about what we do sometimes and you understand it, it's always been the same, but more often than not, we, we truly never know what people are battling through and, you know, think about trying to play a sport at a high level with a bad hip. That's, it's, it's not a good combo, you know, and to Sean's credit, whatever it is and however people feel about Sean, um, you know, Sean gutted it out and tried his best. and But I think everybody now has a bit of a different feel in regards to, you know, maybe there's a reason why the production wasn't what it was. And he wasn't quite as dynamic in the offensive zone. So um, it was great to hear from him. Uh, he and Johnny looked like they're very, very happy. And a couple of takeaways for me, um, Logan, not sure if we have clips ready or not, um, but I would suggest from Johnny's side, he referred to the fact today, Kelly and Logan, that, you know, they played with Lindholm. We know how great that was in 2018, 2019, but they haven't really been able to find a regular in terms of a line mate. And And that's been true. I mean, You know, they're the drivers and and the carriers of the group. But I will note this. They're awfully excited about, I think, the potential. Potential. Who knows what it's going to look like opening night. This is a day one. Um, But playing with Andrew Mangiapane, you could tell, excites both of them. They understand that he is at a very high level right now, brimming with confidence. And, Kelly, if there was one guy today buzzing around looking like he's ready for opening night, it was 88. He uh, he had lots of juice and lots of jam and looked very comfortable, and, you know, that, that was an exciting yeah. thing to see. Not surprising, but he certainly stuck out today for me.
1: We'll, we'll get uh, throughout the afternoon, I know, with uh, Pat and Will, we'll get that audio on. We've got to get it into our system, that yes. sort of thing. So we'll, uh, we'll get after that uh well, let's talk a little bit about the uh the d pairings because uh you had asked the question yesterday i guess on the on the press conference about you know noah Hannafin and and uh, and sean as well, but just kind of asked about that surgery and 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 exactly where he is going to be so what uh, what can you tell us of what you saw for the d pairings
2: well, the most intriguing pairing to me today is tanev and Nikita zadorov, which if you want to forecast a hard to play against shutdown type pairing um, that to me is what it screams of but the angle that i wanted to take kelly is this at 26 years of age for nikita zadorov you know this was a guy who was a 16th overall pick in his draft year you know i watched him a lot in junior whether it was at the world junior or his time in london I don't think he has ever found the level in this league that I think he's you know his skill set shows that he has now the intriguing part for me is not just you know he's nasty, everybody talked today watching you know he's big, but you know you see it again after not seeing him for a while like he is a he is a large man, but chris tanev in his career you think about it he has had a great way of bringing out he the best people. yeah yes the best in people that play with him and you know when i saw those two paired together the first thing that went through my mind was boy he's benefited absolutely everyone You know, look at Noah Hannafin who played a lot with him last year and Noah raved about it and no doubt in my mind before he was hurt, he had his best season. Um, You know, you don't have to go back very far to think about the benefit for Quinn Hughes. Now, Zadorov's a very different type of player in his own way, but there is way more there in my estimation from Nikita Zadorov. And if Tanev, you know, again, because... What makes Chris probably so good to play with is he gives you the same thing every single night. You never wonder about what he brings in his game to the table. And, you know, you could tell it, Kelly, with Noah. That, that just – when you have a partner beside you that you just – you know is always going to look after his end of the business – You'll never convince me that that doesn't make the other person better. It just does. Oh,
1: it does. And yeah.
2: and it just absolutely 100% does. So, um that that pairing again, will we see it when it matters? Who knows. You know, that's that's what preseason is about trying things and seeing who fits and and what roles, but that one stuck out you know Anderson and Hannafin were together today and you know they've certainly had their time together they really enjoy playing with one another we mentioned on the show yesterday with Will and Logan about you know for me Rasmus Anderson you know I think he's going to have a really really good year after a bit of a roller coaster ride for him last season and then the other pairings no surprise Valimaki and newcomer Eric Goodbranson and Shillington, and Stone. So, um, this team is going to be way harder to play against, thanks to the presence of Zidorov, the presence of Goodbranson. Um, it's it's how Darrell wants to play. He wants to be miserable to play against. He wants them to play hard, yeah. play fast, to defend the right way. So, you know that that grouping, for me, might be as important. In some ways, is any forward conversation we can. Well, have. I was
1: just going to ask. I think I was thinking back to different training camps, is that has got to be, you know, what? Let's not. I'll use the word nasty. You know, everybody knows listening what what we mean by that. Just like hard to play, and you know, you're gonna you're gonna pay for it if you you know go into the boards with those guys. I don't know if we've had a group like that in Calgary for a while. I, that is uh, that is intriguing to see what. Uh, you know, be a tough night for some teams coming into the saddle dome or wherever if, if you're going to keep, you know, throwing those guys over the boards.
2: Well, the game is so different now, and really, for so long, when you were building your defense, you know, up until the last five, six, seven years, you used to kind of build your defense this way. You'd have four hard-to-play-against-steady-eddies and a couple of offensive puck movers. Now it's almost in reverse, and, you know, as fast as the game is today – you know, everybody has to move and defend and be good with their sticks and be good positionally. But hey, one thing about this sport that's not going away, never has, never will, Kelly, is intimidation. And yep. you know, when you have a Zadorov back there, uh, who is flat out nasty, you know, Good Branson is more than capable when he's engaged to play that way, it's 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 different. It absolutely is different and I think it most certainly fits maybe the number one word for me this year going into the season and I usually have one so why not start today is identity yeah identity I like that and 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 you know I'm not sure the flames the last few years you could necessarily say and there's reasons for that too that I'm not even I'm not being critical but just the way this group is formed right now, you can see the potential for more of an identity. And frankly, Kelly, they're not going to have a choice, I don't think, but playing that way.
3: Any surprise, Lou, uh, that uh, Connor Mackey wasn't with the uh, group of NHL, yeah, NHL regulars? A little, a or little bit. Disappointment, maybe?
2: Well, you know, it's in when the groups came out yesterday, you know. And I wasn't the least bit surprised. I guess the only thing that I saw um, that was incredibly intriguing, well, not intriguing, but interesting, um, was Shellington is part of, you know, the big main group, and Mackey's going to take to the ice here in about 20 minutes or 10 minutes from now. So, again, try not to read a ton into today but you know when the groupings are that weighted daryl wants to get to his group and and he he understands this this whole team knows matthew kachuk talked about it today this team is not uh, known for getting off to good starts so the sooner you can really especially in in practice and your systems and your pairings and your combos that's why I've said this week, Logan, that, you know, as much as it's going to be about the preseason and, and it is, I'm equally as interested as the practices and groupings go along to see who plays together there. Cause it's probably in some ways, even more of an indication. The preseason for me is about who can surprise, who can jump up, who can, who can potentially force the hand because You have eight games. Connor Mackey's going to get lots of games in the preseason, probably five or six. Um, So, yes, I'm sure he's probably a little disappointed today, but he'll have plenty of opportunity to put himself in a different stratosphere. And when I look at every single preseason, I don't really dial in completely until – you know, and this team doesn't play a game for seven, eight days after their final preseason games. The practices the week leading up to Edmonton on the 16th, that's when we can really have all of these discussions in earnest.
3: You mentioned Matthew Kachuk and him speaking today. Uh, we Some of us, I, I thought myself, we might see a, a reuniting of that line from late last year, kachuk lindholm and you Still,
2: And you still, still might.
3: might. Still might, but as of right now, it seems as though the pairing of, of Kachuk-Lindholm is one that they're going to stick with. What did you like from that last year, and, and what do you think that those two bring together? Because they haven't really, outside of last year, late in the year, we haven't seen Kachuk on a line with Lindholm all that much. It's an intriguing pair because... Well, we don't always think of it. Matthew does have a very high level of skill, and pairing him with a guy like Lindholm could do wonders for his game offensively.
2: I look at Elias Lindholm the same way I look at Chris Tanev in this respect. You're going to benefit playing with him. He is just so smart, so intelligent, so reliable, so consistent. So anyone who has a regular opportunity to play with Elias Lindholm is going to benefit. Um, and the other gentleman on the line today was, you know, their biggest addition in the offseason, and that's two-time Stanley Cup champion Blake Coleman, who, you know, gives that line speed, ability to retrieve, good defensively. Um, so I, I, I see that line. And again, is that how it's going to be come opening night? Well, only time will tell. But, you know, for Matthew, and and he made mention of it quickly. Last year was not a good year for him when he addressed the media. It wasn't really a very good year for a lot of this team's best people. Um, I don't think Matthew was really where he wanted to be mentally for a long time last season. He looks refreshed. It's a big year. He's too smart. He's too intelligent. And there's too much riding on this season for him not to be at a way higher level. And didn't get a chance to ask him about it today. But if you think he doesn't have February penciled in or thinking about February in China, I'm going to guess that that uh, thought has occurred to him about playing for the United States. So it's a big year. I, I I understand, and who wouldn't enjoy playing with Elias Lindholm? He just he does so much and so much heavy lifting. Um, so Matthew Kachuk will be a very determined. And the other key comment Logan was the fact that, and you'll hear it later today from him himself. He talked about not being quite. I'm paraphrasing his same old competitive self last year. Patty, is that fair? Yeah. So um, you'll hear from Matthew on that front before the afternoon is over.
3: And uh, I guess with Adam Warner being included in that main group, it seems as though it might be more of a competition than we anticipated for that backup spot behind Markstrom. Yeah,
2: and, and I I didn't not anticipate that. to You know, I, I think... Vladar probably uh, you give up a pick to get him. You've signed him for two years. You know, he he, he might have a small window up on Werner, but Werner's a pretty good goalie. Been in Colorado's system um for five years, six foot five, moves around well. So yeah, I mean of, of all the potential spots at this camp, if you want to talk about battles of new people, in many ways, Logan, that, that might be the most interesting one.
1: Well, Lou, I think we uh, we got enough for the first day of, of training camp, and we got lots more to get to. Very interesting stuff. Um, I do want to give a little bit of a shout-out and, and a little preview. I, I, I got some news uh, yesterday uh, about Lou's mailbag, which we've changed okay. the name to... Uh, okay. What does Lou say, which I think is a lot better, um, <laughs> and it'll start in the regular season. But, you know, just as a, a bit of a tease, the prize has been improved.
2: It's getting even better. It's
1: even better. It's even better. So, you know, maybe I've said too much.
3: Okay. All right. But
1: just keep that in mind. So we will check in with you tomorrow. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. And we'll uh, we'll we'll get into the weekend with some more Flamestalk, like we always do
2: absolutely thanks guys have a great afternoon flames insider peter lubartius brought to you by the gemini group home renovations your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are give your home the gemini difference the gemini group now offering air miles reward miles visit geminigroup.ca
1: it is hockey central right here on sportsnet 960 the fan kelly kirsch logan gordon the boys are getting ready the big show is set to go at two o'clock it's a short well kind of short show Because uh, they're done at 540. Out at 540, because we go to Minnesota with Ben Wagner, the voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, looking forward to that. Today is Thursday. The guys will have time for Name That Flame. Listen for those clues. They'll be throwing them out later on today. If you know the mystery Calgary Flames player, you text in uh, your guess, and who knows, you could be winning something very cool, like a Wild Rose Brewery branded fire pit. And a six-pack of beer. You get all the details on our website. Wild Rose Brewery celebrates 25 years of standing by Alberta through wins and losses, all the while serving up premium craft beer. Join us at the tap room, or from the comfort of your own home during the next big game. We'll take a break, talk a little goaltending, and, and uh, we'll also throw a little water on the, uh, on the Phoenix Coyote or the Arizona Coyotes and their new arena. We'll do that next right here on Sportsnet 960.
2: This is Hockey Central on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: Two o'clock is the arrival of the big show. Pat and Will ready to uh, tell you all about the first real day of training camp for the Calgary Flames as hockey is upon us. The Flames' first preseason game is coming up on Sunday. How about that? Against the Edmonton Oilers, we'll have it for you right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Little bird told me we may have tickets to give away tomorrow morning on the morning show for that said game. Just keep that in mind. And coming up next week, the uh, morning show heading off to uh, Canmore, out to the mountains, for the grand opening of Can Golf. It is—it's uh, quite the place. It is quite the place. It's uh, very state of the art. They've got those uh, those golf simulators that are amazing. The food. They've got an event space, and our good friend Luke Elvey is behind that. And it's just starting to uh, get up and running. Very very cool spot, and your chance to win. We got like a you know night for you and a buddy in a hotel and uh, two hundred fifty bucks to to spend at can golf and get the real behind the scenes tour with all those AHS uh, health protocols. Of course, we have to say that for everything. So yeah, it's coming up next week. Looking forward to it. On Thursdays we have our our goalie guru Kevin Woodley from In Magazine. He uh, writes for all kinds of stuff based in in Vancouver, but he is very much the goaltender. He just kind of looks at it at a. From a very different lens, and we started off, Ryan asked him about, yep, yeah, it is day one. What uh, what storylines are you, are you looking at? Yeah, I know. I
0: mean, probably too early to sort of pan out or try and figure out how some of these new faces and new places are going to work out beyond what we already know. So, um, yeah, the vaccine angle, certainly we, Alex Taylock News, uh, you know, for a guy who really battled to save his career, I think a lot of people forget early in that career, uh, somebody stepped on the back of his leg um, with with a skate in the crease and severed his achilles like he he's he's had to battle through so much to have the career he's had to to hear that it's now derailed at least for this season and who knows beyond that um because of uh, the heart condition that was a result of having covid like that kind of that hits home on a number of levels in terms of what what this um you know what this virus can do to a professional athlete. Uh, and the risks that they're taking uh, to, to have played last year, um, but also just on the personal level as a guy that you cheer for, like Alex Daylock is one of the good ones. And also, you know, honestly, he was an insurance policy that I think Edmonton needed, and so I'll be curious to see what they do in that three-hole. We saw what happened last year when Smith was hurt early, and, you know, Miko Koskinen is really good in a 1B role, was exceptional in a 1B role two years ago pressed into a 1A with no insurance plan last year. Uh, he struggled and never really recovered all season. So uh, I don't think they can chance going through this year without having a good third option, and they just lost one uh, in Alex Daylock. And then, of course, you know, related sort of on COVID with guys and the vaccine. We hear that Mike Smith had to be pushed on it. Um You know, so that's a storyline that'll, that'll be interesting. And we talked about it last week, like practice goalies and, you know, especially if guys were not able to, you know, if guys weren't vaccinated and they couldn't travel and the number of games they'd miss, like there's a lot of sort of complicating factors there. And then the last thing, the contracts, um, whether it was, um, whether it was uh, the contract for um cal peterson three years f- at five million dollars and he's one of my up-and-comers for sure and the other one of course the elvis merzlikens deal um you know an extra two million dollars for him over five years say compared to what the canucks gave thatcher demko uh for a goalie who plays in a much more insulated environment big elvis Merzlikins fan he's been through a hell of a lot over the last little while and um, I know he's got eyes on Avesna to, to you know, honor um, the teammate he lost this summer, um, but I'm, that's one I'm really curious to see, not just how his role plays out in Columbus and what they're like as a team this year, but how that contract plays out long-term because not a huge sample size there for him either to, to land a five-year, um, you know, at 5.4-a-year deal.
4: Yeah, no, that's fair, and you make some good points there. The Demco deal starting to look like a steal only, what, three, four months out? Um, I think some of the numbers that have been thrown around, uh, you'd prefer Demco to them, or am I off?
0: No, I mean, uh, listen, I, I'm biased, and not because like it's not a personal thing. I happen to like Thatcher's approach, but I get to see him every day, so I watch the growth, and I've watched the growth over the past couple of years. And you know, with with everything that's gone on here, like he had a hell of a year when you look at the adjusted numbers behind a really bad team. I'm not sure they're going to be much better defensively this year. They're going to try. Uh, but we'll see. But you don't have to worry about it because he was that good behind a you know a porous the worst defense in the National Hockey League last year. So I'm big on Demko. Uh, but when you look at some of those numbers like Grubauer, I know it's a UFA situation at five nine. I think Shostakin was a little over five six, almost five seven. Uh, you're right. Like I put him Shostakin and him to me and Cal Peterson actually. Um, that's a good deal at five less term. I wonder if they'll regret that. But he's. You know, he's 26 right now already. So I think he's like one of the top – it's funny, I say young at 26, but I think he's one of the top young up-and-coming goaltenders in the game. He took starts away from Jonathan Quick last year, and I think he'll just continue along that path this season, especially the first three quarters of the season for L.A. last year. He was really, really good amongst the top five in the league in adjusted numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, Sort of faltered a little bit down the stretch. I don't know how much of that was just a new situation and workload catching up or just, you know, the fatigue of the season behind a bad team can kind of wear you down. But, um, you know, those are the three guys that, you know, if I were to pick amongst that crop, uh, Peterson, Demko, and Shesterkin, that, like, I think that's those are guys that are ready to be number ones and, you know, ready to be, like, top of the league talent. Um, you know, and interestingly enough, two of them are American. So yeah, I'm curious to see how this year goes and how, going into the Olympics. I think Demko yeah. makes that team. And I think Cal Peterson, with more eyes on him, could uh, could make a push as well.
4: you got John Gibson. you got Connor Hellebuck. It's, it's a, the Americans are flush with goalies in their 20s. There's a lot of really good ones around the league. Tell us more about Peterson, the style of player, what he does well, because you're right, he has outplayed quick and started to considerably eat into that workload to the point where he's now the one. And if you've listened to your hits uh, that we've had on this station for the last two years, you you have been pumping the – the Cal Peterson train along here. And and I guess with your access to the behind the scenes data, net minding stuff, that would all tie together.
0: Well, part of of it is access to that data and looking at his adjusted numbers and realizing that, you know, this is where he was tracking. And and like I said, like I had him picked sort of as my breakout last year, even knowing that, you know, there was a bit of a a glass ceiling there named Jonathan quick for him. And, um, but part of it is having a chance to get to know him a little bit and his approach um and and then matching that to video we've done some pro reads with him at ingo magazine where he walks us through his saves and you get a feel for you know not just his approach to the position but the way he reads the game and you start to understand what he feels his strengths are and when you match that to video it's like hey this is this is what we're looking for in national hockey league goaltenders right now and that's in particular patience on the edges, and the ability to sort of hold edges and not default early to the knees, um, you know, it sounds a little stereotypical, not going down too early, uh, but it's you know there there are sort of ways to do that. It's not just trying not to. There are mechanics that allow you to sort of hold your edges. Part of it is innate, part of it is patience, part of it is those mechanics, like being able to track pucks longer through a release, uh, through a play before you feel like you have to commit but also before your body sort of starts to bring you to the ice. And, you know, Cal's patience on his edges is, you know, among the best in the game. Doesn't always translate the way it has for him. I mean, it's a, it's a massive strength, for example, of Jonas Corpusalo, and yet his overall results haven't matched that. But Cal's just got a really nice approach and, uh, you know, a really nice skill set, skill package that is led by uh, that ability to sort of hold his edges not commit too soon beat plays on his skates and not end up sort of giving up those edges too early now he catches with the wrong hand but i don't (laughs) hold that against him he seems to make it work
4: sounds like you do though i gotta be honest uh (laughs) let's uh focus in on the pacific division a little closer yep uh adam warner is a guy that arrived in calgary and we'll expect him to spend time in stockton where dustin wolf the great junior standout will be and uh, they added daniel vlater Vladar, or Vladar, or I'm trying here, out of Boston for a pick this year to come in behind Markstrom. They've started Warner with Vladar and Markstrom in the looks like an NHL team group, not the AHL looking group, nor the prospects. We're going to run through some skills group. Uh, should we make any of that? Is there an actual battle for the backup here in Calgary, or is that what camp's for to determine if there is?
0: Well, I mean, I guess things could change in camp, and Adam Warner had some early success with the Colorado Avalanche. Um, I'll be honest with you, though, Ryan, like I've met him a couple of times, talked to him a little bit. But, you know, again, you know, unlike Cal, it's one thing to watch film and sort of get an idea for their game. But you really need to sort of get to know them um, and their approach and their mindset and things like that. And I don't have that read on on Adam Werner. But I would read it more as, you know, hey, like he's going to be in the three hole next man up mentality and Dustin Wolf go, stays in the American Hockey League and plays a ton. Right. I do not expect anybody but Dan Vladar to be the backup. It's sort of his job to lose. And, you know, part of the reason I say that is I know other goalies and their agents approached the Flames, um, you know, wondering how secure they felt about Vladar in that spot and would they might you know, might they be looking for another alternative, another option there? You know, I think of a guy like Devin Dubnik who still doesn't have a job and wants to play. And the the answer is basically, we think we're going to lose this guy on waivers. He's going to get every opportunity to earn this job. So they really think there's a chance that they lose him if they were to have to send him to the minors. They obviously have invested assets in getting him, and they have no intention of not at least giving him a shot at that job with the big club. So um, be shocked. Uh, it would mean he had some real disappointment both in terms of camp and preseason games, if it's anyone other than Dan Plater to start the season at Calgary.
4: Yeah, and that makes sense. I think the better point is the one you drew out there, that if there is an injury, don't expect Wolf to come up and ride the pine and watch. They'd rather have him playing all the time in Stockton. That makes some sense to me.
0: Yeah, and, then, you know, and the one thing that, that can change, like to me you're perfect, and this is really hard to maintain because you can have it for one year, not the next. Your perfect depth chart. Includes you know two goalies in the minors, one a really up and coming young goaltender who might even be better than your backup. Now or long term, and then somebody with a little more experience, maybe a little more than Adam Werner in an ideal world. But having that mix so that you know if it is Vladar that gets hurt and you need a body to come up who has some experience, who's been around the pro game, but you know he might not play. He might be there for two weeks. And he might play once because Mark Markstrom's getting everything else. You're bringing you're an Adam Warner up. If it's Markstrom that goes down and Vladar stumbles, you have the option. If you see more upside in Wolf and you think he's ready, you still have that option to bring him up because you know you're bringing him up to play as opposed to sit on the bench. And, right. and listen, hey, like Jason LaBarber's a hell of a goalie coach too. There's value in having time with him uh, up in Calgary as well and facing NHL shooters. So it's not like it's a default Adam Warner, but like having both is that's your perfect situation. And and while Werner may not have a ton of experience, um, there's enough there that it's a good mix.
4: We talked about Edmonton today. We've been going one team a day, and we talk about them a bunch. There's a lot of familiarity with Mike Smith here, and there's also been over the last few years a perceived uh, Achilles heel of their club in their crease, which has been the case at some times and has absolutely not been at others. Mike Smith had a renaissance season last year. We talked a ton about how he rebuilt himself you didn't have the chalk outline after one shot. He was in a position to make second saves. You talked about how his technique had changed. He's 39 now. Can he repeat last season? And if he can't, what is left of Koskinen, who had a much rougher 2021 than he did 1920?
0: Well, it's funny. We talk about always goaltending in Edmonton. And interestingly enough, as much as, you know, again, Smith sort of answered any questions about him last year. Koskinen did the year before. Like, it's really easy to forget adjusted numbers-wise. Like, he was seventh in the NHL. He had a really good year two seasons ago. Doesn't change the fact that last year was terrible. Like, last year was not a good year. Um, and I think what we learned is he just can't be the guy, right? And I think he maybe got a glimpse of that in the playoffs as well, uh, in that first round against Chicago. So, you know, he can give you games in the 1B, but if you need more than that, you might be in trouble. And so, um, yeah, they're fine. I think Mike Smith can have that type of season uh, again, in part, because I think the things he was changing the season before that led to last year's success are even more innate, even more sort of deeply rooted in his foundation after yet another summer and a full summer for a change uh, with the same trainer, with the same sort of adjustments in mentality uh, in terms of how he works off the ice and how it helps him move on the ice. So I, you know, he stays healthy, and that's obviously a question. Anytime you get to 39, but he's a physical freak. He's now training in a way that's more conducive to staying healthy as a goaltender. I like his chances of having another season where, again, he was he was top 10 in the National Hockey League in adjusted numbers. If you can keep him healthy, that allows you to deploy Miko Koskinen in, in a role he's better suited for, a similar type of role where he had the success of two years ago. Um, but yeah. You'd like to have an insurance policy with experience. I don't think their kids are necessarily ready. And losing Alex Staylock in that three spot really hurts. So I'm really curious to see what they do um, sort of filling that hole. If we had a taxi squad situation again, Mm -hmm. I could see them adding experience there. It gets harder, um, especially with an affiliate in Stockton. Like, I don't know what your options are. Are You you know, what a guy like, for example, Dubnik, uh would, would, would he consider going back and forth between the two being the three uh to start. I'm not so sure. But uh really interested to see what they do there. Um and kinda you know, again, if if they can if they can manage the starts and manage the minutes in a perfect world, I think they're fine. But we saw what happened last year. As soon as you lose that perfect world situation, yeah. um, put them behind the eight ball with Koskinen. And then anytime you're talking about a 39-year-old starter, uh, you want to have you want to have a little more insurance policy at as, 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 you know at the ready.
4: Last one for you. Just the general volatility of the position. Like we've seen guys bounce back and forth between stellar years and incredibly mediocre years. We don't see that at other positions. We don't see Sidney Crosby dip to a fourth liner one year and then return to all-star form. We have seen Matt Murray look like the best goalie in the league and then look like he can't stop a puck and shouldn't be in the league, you know, not soon after. We saw Marc-Andre Fleury with some horrible numbers his last year in Pittsburgh before turning in maybe the best season of his career at that point in Vegas. I mean, how do you explain to people the volatility of the position?
0: Uh, You know, it goes back to my old default line, and I haven't used this in a while, so time to pull it out. Um, Goaltending doesn't exist in a vacuum. So a lot of the times it is a function of team play, and sometimes you can have a perfect situation where the way a team defends, not just in terms of how well either, like that's the one thing people don't understand. It's like, ah, they're a good defensive team, so they're better for the goaltender. Like there are intricacies in terms of how they become a good defensive team. Like don't get me wrong. Every goaltender wants to play behind a quote-unquote good defensive team. But there are subtleties within those systems that will suit one guy more than another will play to his strengths rather than his weaknesses. And those things can change. So that's one part of the equation. The other thing is the game changes. Like Matt Murray is a perfect example. And I know I've mentioned this before, like Matt Murray didn't get worse, but the things the penguins defended against became harder after the two cups as they lost personnel. And also as everyone around the league tried to attack at the other end the way the Penguins did to win the two cups. It became an east west game. And Matt Murray was fine as long as the attacks were straight line, but his low wide stance really limited his mobility as things got faster east west and he started to get exposed. Now he's in the process of changing that in Ottawa. I said last year it would be a you know a year long proposition. There were signs towards the end of it um, that he was making headways and he's actually working in the off season. Again, another guy that's working with the same trainer up in Kelowna, Adam as Mike Smith to try and rebuild those movement patterns so that he can be more efficient so that he can be quicker so that he can keep up with those East West plays. So, I think it's a combination of things like there are so many different factors that can affect the goaltender. Flurry was brilliant almost every year in Vegas, except for two years ago. Death of his father seemed to play a real role in sort of his mindset and his, you know, just ability to focus on the game. Um, there's a lot of talk around that. It's the only thing that changed that year. There, it's It's a position with so many factors that can affect you negatively from team play to mindset to the way the game is played in front of you um that there's just a, there's a lot of things that can affect you positively or negatively that we don't always consider and so that's why it can be such a hard position to predict but i'll give you like again to go back to matt murray just because he's an example i know really well like that wasn't that shouldn't have been impossible to predict the signs were there as the game was changing if you really yep. watch well you said it beyond you thought stats, yeah things had to you change could there see Yeah, you could see what needed to change. Martin Jones has started making some of the same changes again with the same trainer uh, starting this year in Philadelphia. Like, there was no rotation in his game. He had everything with straight lines across and flat. And If you're not on angle, pucks go through you. Like, you can usually look for reasons and see them in the tape. So when people express surprise sometimes that it changes so dramatically – um, if you if you really pay attention to what the goalie's doing, it shouldn't be a shock. Flurry's the same way in Pittsburgh. Listen, they were ready to throw him out the, during the first run. The question I asked him then was, have they given him the tools to get better technically in terms of coaching? And he hasn't listened. In which case, throw him out because it's not going to get better. Or have they not given him the tools they need? And once they do, he's going to adjust. That that's what I said after the I can't remember exactly what season, but it was the summer they hired Mike Bales as a goalie coach. And Mike Bales built positional anchors into his game, changed his post play, and Flurry went on in that fantastic run. And even though he lost a job to Murray in the playoffs, he was a big part, especially of that second cup. Like he hadn't his game hadn't fallen apart. He was still a really good goaltender. So, um, you know, that can change things. Having the right voice, having the right coach Uh, can make a big difference, and that fluctuates a lot around the league. That's why Thatcher Demko, so uncharacteristically, like unheard of to go to bat as publicly as he did for my goalie coach's contract expires, and I really think we need him here. Mm -hmm. Ian Clark gets a five-year extension. Like that was really, I had goalie coaches around the league going, holy crap, like that, that doesn't happen. And I talked to Demko a couple weeks ago. It was because... He believed in the path they were on, and the best way for him to continue that path was to keep working with the guy who started it. So he he went to bat. He basically pleaded with the organization to get that deal done because he'd made all these steps. And he he said to me a couple weeks ago, I didn't want to have to restart with somebody else. So that happens around the league, like the wrong voice at the wrong time um maybe not gelling maybe it's not even that it's not that it's a bad coach it may just not fit that guy or may have some things that that coach insists upon that don't suit that guy's game i've seen it happen so in a very long-winded answer there are so many different factors that can change things for a goaltender from one season to the next uh and it's not always just their abilities Uh, a lot of other factors can have an effect on their game
4: I've decided we're going to keep you, and we'll keep chatting with you every week because someone needs to know these things. You do, and the rest of us are clueless. So we appreciate it as always. Great insights. Always a pleasure, Kev. It's uh, it's a very complicated thing you're explaining quite easily to us, it seems. So thanks for the time. We'll do it again next week. Enjoy uh, Christmas, I suppose, whatever you called it earlier. Christmas morning. Open your presents.
0: Christmas morning. I'm going to go open my presents and film a whole bunch of go- – see, that's the thing. Camp, everyone's line combination, defensive pairings. I just want to see the goalies and the goalie coach go to work for like half an hour before everybody else hits the ice. That's my that's my Christmas morning, and I'm on my way to do it. See you, buddy. Thanks. Take care.
1: Kevin Woodley loves the goaltending, and he has just such interesting in insight. He's uh, he's the guest with Ryan on Thursdays. We'll play it again here on Hockey Central. Really good stuff, as always. Uh, hey, we are getting ready to uh, go down to the Saddle Dome, see what's happening, the Envision Custom Renovations Hot Stove Lounge. We're, we're back. We're back. And uh, looking forward to that. The boys have the show, the big show at 2 o'clock. Going to wrap things up early today as we have a 540 first pitch or so. Uh, Minnesota and your Toronto Blue Jays. The Jays try to, uh, well, they got to make hay against these guys before the big series against, yes, the New York Yankees. It is going to be wild. I, I did tease it earlier, uh, Logo, one of the things. Well, we talk about goalies a lot on the show, and we like to, uh, well, kind of make fun of the Arizona Coyotes, but they make it pretty easy for us to do. And I was kind of looking around yesterday. You know, earlier in the week, they had their big redesign, even though it's kind of like an old logo, mm-hmm. and it's going gonna, it's gonna to change the way they are inclusive and all those buzzwords yes. that they put in. Okay. Well, then they also talked about this new uh, arena they want to build in Tempe, which uh, looked good. The drawings look really, really good, and uh, they don't have any, like, money for it just yet and uh, they ran into a bit of a problem yesterday as uh, I was reading down in in Phoenix the airport said uh, yeah you can't build an arena that big there that will interfere with us so they might have maybe checked before they did that so they jumped the gun on that (laughs) uh, yeah so billion dollar proposal (laughs) back to the drawing board
3: oh airport right thing is they got a lot of time to figure this out Kel oh
1: don't don't Just worry.
3: So much time to figure out and build, and
1: well, I and I get uh, in there, and I keep hearing, I've read it a couple places. They're kicking around the idea of using that stupid baseball stadium. What? For, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, Chase Field. They were thinking about doing it. So, I don't know what that would look like. Pretty bad, I imagine. But yeah. But that's one of the one of the options they're kicking around there for the Arizona Coyotes. So
3: anyway. Just a little news there for you. It's very Coyotes. <laughs> very Coyotes. Very coyotes. They're, good.
1: they're good for show prep for us. We need a little kicker story. They'll just do that. Coming up later today, name that flame for Wild Rose Brewery. The guys will be doing that. And then the, uh, they head the road uh, tomorrow as they're going to be at zero latency. So mm-hmm. I do believe we have some lunch coming our way. So we'll be talking yes. about that a little bit later. All right. We're going to take a break and get ready to head down to the Envision Custom Renovations Hot Stove Lounge. Steinberg, Nalt, talking all things flames and other things, and maybe teeing up that uh, Thursday nighter. We'll see. All that more coming up.